Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Simple Church. Everybody excited to be here today? I know I am. Let me tell you something. Two Buckeye games in one week is enough to make this guy's head explode. You know what I'm saying? So, OH, put a whooping on those Rainbow Warriors yesterday, which we totally should have, by the way. It should have been like double the score, but that's neither here nor there. Welcome to Simple Church. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, first, let me address all those of you that are here for the very first time. We want to say thank you so much for being here. In fact, let's give them a round of applause and let them know we appreciate them being here. Thank you so much. We hope that uh, you felt welcome when you came in and that you received a gift bag as you came in. If you did not, please make sure you stop by guest services on your way out and tell them you want your gift bag and they will hook you up with that. Now, we are in this series called uh, You Ask For It. Before I I describe that and we kind of jump into that, I want to give you a few announcements. September is an incredibly packed month. And so I told them, I said, listen, the announcements need to wait until everybody's here. Because some of y'all, you don't get here until after worship or midway through worship. And I didn't want you to miss all all the announcements today. So let me run through them briefly and quickly. First of all, this week, this Friday night is our worship night. We are, are doing a, uh, a night we call it 10,000 Reasons. We are coming together to worship and pray. It's just a bunch of songs and some prayers, some opportunity for some ministry for you. And uh, if you've never been to a worship night, I would encourage you to come and hang out with us. We have invited several other area churches to come together, and it's going to be a great time. So please plan to join us. That's this Friday night at 7 p.m. Also this week, our Grow Groups launch. If you're unfamiliar with what those are, it's like an in-home Bible study. We, we sit around together so you can go in a Grow Group. We believe that you go from knowing somebody's name, which is what you learn here on Sunday morning, right? You learn somebody's name. But you can go from knowing their name to knowing their story if you'll get involved in a Grow Group. And so... Those actually launched this week. I'm leading one uh, that starts on Saturday morning that is for the men. And uh, we will be meeting at First Watch and eating bacon and eggs and all the other yummy things at First Watch. I may need a moment. Kids gone. So anyway, so there are a lot of grow groups to sign up for. And, and uh, it, the way to do that is you can download our app. And the app is available in your Google Play stores or your Apple stores. You can look for Simple Church Ohio. There you go. That's the information right there. Download the app. There's a button that says Grow Groups, and you can get signed up. Pick something that meets your, ske- or meets your schedule and uh, what you're interested in and get connected there. There's men's, women's groups. There's, uh, there's plenty of things to sign up for. Also, if you don't have the app or a smartphone, there's a kiosk in the lobby that you can just step right up to. It says Grow Groups on it. Uh, basically, what it's doing is displaying our websites. You can also go to our website at mysimplechurch.com. Whew. All right. Y'all ready for one more? Our missions trippers are uh, our mission trippers. Our missionaries are going uh, with me. They're they're going. A team of thirteen of us are going to El Salvador. We have any uh, mission trippers in here? Anybody? All right, there you go. We got a few of them. All right, perfect. And uh, we are going to El Salvador. And our goal when we go there is to take uh, enough. We're taking money to purchase groceries when we get there at fifteen dollars a home. We want to provide enough for three hundred homes to have groceries for a week, and then we're going to tell them about Jesus while we're there. And, uh, and serve the community in other ways while we're down there. So 
these 13 people have been raising funds. And if you are somebody who's here today that's committed to helping them get there or get on their trip, their funds are due today. So know that you can continue to support the work that we're doing um, by giving in general giving, like uh, through, through missions generally, this week and next week. However, if you're giving to a mission tripper, an individual, today is the last day that you can do that. The way you do that is you write the, their name on the envelope. So if you know whoever that mission tripper is, <laughs> if you write their name, on the envelope. I should get to call them missionaries. I'm not sure. Anyway, on the envelope, they will get it uh, completely. Um, for It will go towards their trip. But you can, again, like I said, you can give this week and next week. Also, if you, if you say, Aaron, financial gifts is not what I can do, great. You know what? Next Sunday, bring a bag of candy. Bring something that we can take down with us because apparently we're going to be working with a lot of youth, and they like candy. And imagine these kids. They, they probably have never or it's been a long time since they've seen candy like that or since the last missionaries came through. And uh, so if you want to send us down with some candy for these kids, that would be great. Or they are also looking for, they ask us to bring 250 small prizes or like gifts that they can give away to kids for Christmas. Now don't be going and buying some big box thing that's going to have to have batteries and make all kinds of noises and get me strip searched in the airport. You know what I'm saying? So small gifts only, please, would be fantastic. But you can bring those here and drop those off next Sunday uh, and we will receive those with joy. All right, that's the last of my announcements. I lied. One word that will describe everything to you is pie. I like pie. I used to like it a lot more as I was bigger. I've kind of gotten smaller, a little smaller, but I still like pie. And today at our annual picnic, we are having a pie baking contest. What does that mean for you? Well, there are people that are actually entering their pies in to see if they can win a prize. And that means for the rest of you that there will be plenty of pie to be had for everyone because the judges are not eating whole pieces of pie. They're just getting little tastes of said pie. And the leftover pie is for you. I have two pies that are going in. My wife has two pies that are going in. And I know so many of you have pies that are going into the contest. Today, 1 o'clock, JFK Park is our annual picnic. Look, there's going to be prizes. There's silly stuff going on. We've got something called pantyhose bowling. You ever heard of that before, anybody? Okay, well, then you need to come and see it. Fine, it was my kid. She raised her hand. I have, Dad. Yep, that's because I showed you the video. (laughs) She's sitting right there. I did. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to do some pantyhose bowling. There's a euchre tournament that's happening. There's lots of food. We're taking care of the, the hot dogs and the hamburgers and the water. But you, we ask you, if you're coming, just bring a side dish that you want to share with somebody or something that you'd like to drink other than a bottle of water. But come out, fellowship with us. And uh, there's cornhole as well. We're just going to have a great time and hang out at uh, JFK Park, 1 o'clock today. When is it? 1 o'clock today. JFK Park, be there. All right. Thanks for paying attention to all those announcements. I know some of you are already asleep, and I just appreciate you being here sleeping. <sighs> There's somebody sleeping. Just kind of nudge them, wake them up. All right, so we are in this series called You Ask For It. And essentially what this series is, if, it, if today's your first day, uh, a couple months ago I asked everybody, I said, now what is it that I could share that I would teach that would help you move forward in your spiritual journey? And so I opened it up for questions, and questions were submitted in. And, uh, and of, the, of the questions that were submitted, we landed on the top six subjects. And uh, so I'm answering those because I want to help you move forward in that spiritual journey. Because I know that everybody's at a different place in, in, in their walk with God. Some of you have not even begun that walk. Others of you are brand new. And others of you have been a Christian for a while. So what is it I could teach to help you? And you answered. And so we're running through this series. And uh, in the next couple of weeks, we are going to be looking at how do I forgive? We're going to be looking at how do I overcome negative emotions? How do I parent? 
And one of my favorites is, is going to be How Do I Pray? Now, unfortunately, I'll be in El Salvador when that lesson is taught. But you guys will be taught by one of my pastors. His name is Gary Fowler. So plan to be here that day, and, uh, and, and he will be a blessing to you. He's one of my favorite communicators. I, I love listening to him. He'll, he'll speak something that will change your life. This guy just has a way with words, I promise you. So you don't want to miss that. And then last week we looked at what do I do with the Holy Spirit? So if you missed last week, you can listen on the app on our podcast. You can listen to uh, that message. And then uh, this week we're going to talk about and answer the question, how do I have faith? How do I have faith? And I think this is, this is a natural question that we're going to get because we just finished up an entire series on overcoming our excuses, tapping into what it is we believe God has called us to do and overcoming our excuses. We looked at a bunch of heroes through the Bible who had excuses that they had to overcome. And we said, and I've been pushing you and, and, and prodding you. Come on, you can overcome these excuses. Those, those things are just obstacles in your way. Let's overcome them. And one of the ways that we overcome them is, is by having faith. And if you don't know what that looks like, this is a natural question to come out of this entire series, of, of that series is, well, how do I do that? Because to overcome my excuses, I need faith. And so I think it's important that we talk about it. And I, because I think we all struggle with having faith and overcoming doubt in different seasons of our life. I, I think that's natural. I know, I know that it's natural for me. And the question of trusting God is a big topic. Look, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So this is a big deal. It, it's important that we understand how we have faith. Um, and I think our, our issue today is that we're a very skepti- skeptical culture, right? We've kind of created that. We've ingrained, we've been, it's been ingrained in us since we were kids. Now, listen, little Johnny, if a guy in a white van comes up and offers you free candy, you don't want to go with him. He's not nice. But it's free candy. No, it's not. It's not free candy. We, we've been taught... We've been taught to be skeptical about our relationships, about anything and everything in our life, right? We've been taught that we need to be cautious. And I think that's perfectly fine, except when it comes to the area of faith. I think it's actually toxic when it comes to the area of faith because we begin to question, well, is God really listening to me when I pray? Is there really, is there really a God at all? You know, we become skeptical about God. And, and, and yes, God answers, and yes, he's real, but, but we need to have faith. And so today we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. And this, this particular chapter is, is known as the Hall of Fame of Faith. These guys were all people that were, that were looked at because of the way they lived their lives, the faith that they demonstrated. They were, they were, uh, God was excited about that and put his stamp of approval on that. And I think we're going to look at, at them. We're going to look at five different individuals. And there, the faith that they had, the way that they had faith or lived out their faith is important for us, and I think we can learn a lot from them. So we're going to be in Hebrews, and today, if you need a Bible, first of all, let me say that we believe that God's Word is life-changing, and we want you to have a Bible. If you don't own one, we would love to bless you with one. So if you would just shoot your hand up in the air, somebody will put a Bible in your hand as our gift. But if you download our app, there's also a Bible in the app as well, okay? So, and, of course, the verses, there they are, ta-da, will be up on the screen. So Hebrews 11, 1 through 2. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now this word faith uh, means trust with the implications that actions will follow that trust, all right? So th- there's a, a better definition of faith is that you actually trust in something so much that it produces something tangible or response or action in your life. That, that's what faith is. And when we read the Bible, we see this over and over again, that when we have faith in God and trust in him with our lives, it actually begins to affect the way that we live. 
So faith is the way that we take the dream that God puts in our hearts and, and, and we see it become a reality in this life. So if you're ready to know the secret to this, that I believe it's found right here in the next few verses. It says, this is what the ancients were commended for. The stories that we read of these, these heroes of the, the, of the Hall of Fame of Faith, we, we read these stories and we find out that these people, they actually had issues. They weren't perfect. They made mistakes all along the way. They turned their back on God in places. They had doubts, and yet they all had excuses that they needed to overcome, but they, they overcame those excuses through faith. And when they overcame those excuses, they began to see God work in their lives. And, and the reason the Bible has their story is so that you and I can look into it and that we can learn what they're doing because we struggle with, with faith just like they did. And so when we look at their lives, we can see how we need to live and how we need to respond. So we're going to go verse by verse today and, uh, in this chapter. Again, I think there's five lessons that we can learn from these heroes of the, of the Hall of Fame of Faith. Okay? And the first lesson is from Abel. So if you're taking notes today, and uh, what we learn from him is to put God first. This is how we have faith. We put God first. God wants to be first in our lives. So look what it says in verse 4. It says, By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. And what amazing testimony. I don't know about you, but I, I hope that's the testimony from my life, that that's my legacy. That when I'm dead and gone, the faith that I've had and demonstrated in my life would still speak to people. That it would speak to people through my kids' lives and through, through simple church. Lord, I pray that the church continues on long after I'm gone. I pray that that happens. I want that to be my legacy. So how did he do that? How did Abel get that legacy that, that his faith spoke to generations and is still speaking to generations? What made his sacrifice, if you know the story, better than Cain's? Because we don't get the full account here in Hebrews. We're going to have to go back to the original story in Genesis. So we're going to flip to Genesis 4 and, uh, and, and see the original story. It says, in the course of time... Cain brought some of the first fruit, excuse me, some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Now they both brought offerings. They, they both made a sacrifice to God. Abel made one of, of a sheep because he was a shepherd, and Cain brought some fruit of the land because he was a farmer. God didn't differentiate between the two, which one being acceptable and the other not because one was an animal and the other was fruit. That was not the dividing line. There, there, that was not what God was looking for them to do. He wasn't looking for them to offer or sacrifice anything that they didn't have already. That, that's not what he was looking for. What makes them different is, is a few key words in this passage, indicators that reveal one is faith and not the other. And so one sacrifice is acceptable and the other rejected. The difference is the priority that is placed on the sacrifice. And we see that, that in, the, in the words there. We see that Cain's offering was brought in the course of time. In other words, Cain did bring an offering, but it's when Cain brought that offering. See, Cain waited some time. The fruit, the fruit was ready to be picked off the trees. He picked it off. He ate some, and it was good. He gave some to his family, and it was good. He stored up for his family for the next few seasons, and it was good. He maybe sold some in the market, made a little money. It was good. And then he looked at what was left over and said, I've got enough for me. I've got enough for my family. I've made some income. I've taken care of the next year's, the next year's seeds. I'm ready to go. i got some leftover. Here you go, God. You can have some of this. Now, we don't know if the fruit was spoiled. We don't, we don't get any kind of indication of that in the Bible. But we do see that it was in the 
course of time that he brought it. In other words, Cain didn't give God priority in his life. He gave it to him when everything else that was important in his life got theirs. In other words, he paid his mortgage, he paid his gas bill, he paid his whatever bill, all the way down the line, his cable bill and all the things in his life that he wanted. He wanted to make sure he was good to go, and then he decided to to give to God. On the other hand, Abel has his offering accepted because he establishes the priority of God in his life by giving to him of his firstborn. And priority is what makes the difference here because whatever has priority is what is first in our lives. And God, God wants to be first in our lives. That's what he wants. He wants to have that place in our hearts, that throne in our life that says, I'm first. I'm the most important thing to you. So we gather together to worship on Sundays. This is what we do. We get together on Sundays to worship because it's the first day of the week. We want to give God first priority. This is what we do, right? We say, Sunday morning, I'm going to church. I'm going to make my my first day of my week, the first few hours of my morning, all about God. And I think that's a fantastic thing, and that's exactly why we do that here. I also think it's really important that we give God the first few moments of our day. You know, there's, there's this thing about setting aside time in the morning before you check your Facebook before you check your email account, before you, you know, see if anybody texted you, before you respond to all the social media stuff on your phone, or before you respond to your kids and you say, Aaron, you don't understand. I've got three little ones. Look, I, I do understand. I have three kids myself, and, and my wife goes to work a lot earlier than I do in the morning, and I'm the guy to get up in the morning and take care of the kids. So, like, I understand that your time is precious, and I understand the moment your alarm clock goes off, those kids have probably been up for a half an hour already, and they're just waiting at the door. What you doing, Dad? What's going on? Like, I'm, I'm sure. That was me waggling my tail, by the way. I was not twerking, I swear. <laughs> Those of you listening to the podcast. <clears throat> and so, so I understand that, that your time is precious and it's limited. But I still think it's important that, that we give God the first few minutes, the first few thoughts of your day. You say, Aaron, so you're telling me if I do my Devo at lunch or if I do it in the evening that... That I'm not honoring God. No, no, I'm, I'm not telling you that at all. None of that is a problem. But I think, but I think that if you gave it priority, that it would mean a lot more to your relationship with God. I think if you, if you did it first, if you committed to doing that first, spending some time with God. You, you, so, like, what does that look like, Aaron? That, you know, what does it look like for you? That's, that's, what, that's all that matters. Getting into the scriptures, asking God to speak to you for the day. Giving him your day, giving him your mind, your thoughts for the day. That's an important way to set the precedent for, precedence for the day. My, my wife, she used to work third shift, and she would, be, she would get off work at 6.30 in the morning, and every morning she's calling me, and I'm like, babe, look, you know this is my time with Jesus. Like, this is, this is what I do right now. The kids are on autopilot. They're all eating their breakfast. I'm sitting here, and I'm going to talk to Jesus for, for 30 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. I understand you want to talk to me. I understand you're on your way home and you've had a long night. And, but look, do you want me with Jesus or without Jesus? It's your choice. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know I'm a jerk without Jesus. Uh-huh. Okay, love you, bye. That's a real conversation I had with my wife. She stopped calling me at 6.30 in the morning. She texted me to see if I needed anything, but she left me alone to get my Jesus time because I made it a priority. That wasn't anything offensive to her. She just understood. I'm a different person with some coffee and some Jesus. Amen? Okay. As long as you all understand. Some coffee and Jesus. (laughs) 
But it's, it's about giving God priority in our lives. He doesn't, he, he's not, not interested in our stuff. But, you, but to be honest with you, you know this whole tithing thing? That, that's, that's about making God a priority. The whole thing is a practice of saying, God, I want you to be first in my life, and that includes my finances. That includes that. It says, I'm, I'm going to make you first. Before I give to anything else, I'm going to give to you. That's what tithing is really all about. You say, well, well God, you just want my money. Look, God doesn't want your money. He doesn't care about your money. What he wants is your heart. That's, that's what he wants. He wants every bit. Of, he wants to be priority in every part of your life. And so in our culture today, I think it's, I think it's popular and almost very normal to have some kind of religious box that you check off. A Jesus thing, like I, I went to church on Sunday, I, I read my Devo today, I get it through my email, I read it, and I even shared it on Facebook, I've done my thing today. But God's not concerned about your religious steps, the things that you're doing out of, out of, out of like, I've got to finish this task. He, he's interested in that place of priority in your heart, in your life. He wants to be Lord of all or not Lord at all. Because salvation isn't about getting God in your life. It's about giving God control of your life. That, that's what it's all about. And that's the lesson of Abel. If you're, you're going to overcome doubt and live a life of faith, then God has to be priority. He has to be first in your life. The second story or person that we encounter in the book of Hebrews is the character Enoch. And the lesson from Enoch is that you need to walk with God in order to have faith. You need to walk with God. So we're back in Hebrews, and the next verse, verse 5, says, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. This dude didn't die, okay? That's what that means. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. So what, what pleased God about him? That he walked with God. That, that was the whole deal. So can you imagine this for a second? Here's a guy that knew God so well that God decided some afternoon, they're down at the fishing hole just hanging out, him and Jesus or, or you know, the Spirit of God, and they're just talking. And, and he's like, hey, E, why don't you just come on back to my crib? It's nicer than yours. We, we got clouds up here, golden streets. Like, look, you ain't never seen anything like it, E. Why don't you just, why don't you just come on, dude? Just come up. I'll, I'll, make, I'll put out a bed for you and everything. You can live with me. And this is God talking to Enoch. And that's exactly what happens. He decides to take him. He, he, he took him to heaven. I, being honest with you, that sounds great to me. No retirement community, no drooling on myself. Like, li- I'm in. Sign me up for that. I don't have to go through the pain of death. I'm in. And that's what happened to Enoch. Genesis 5.24 has this story. and says, Enoch walked with God, then he was no more because God took him away. Enoch was tight. He was tight with God. And it was his position of that relationship with God that, that God said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you, dude. I'm going to take you. And I think that we need to have that kind of relationship with God if we're going to be people of great faith. Remember that faith is, is something that produces action in our lives. But you don't have trust or faith in somebody or something that you don't know, right? You just don't. It's a brand new person that you've met. You don't trust them with everything that you've got. And my wife and I, we, we were... Uh, when we, when we first met, somebody actually introduced us and uh, hooked us up, I guess, connected us. And I was really thankful for that. Sometimes people find that offensive because, like, oh, I can find my own woman, you know. But I'm not, I, wasn't offense, I wasn't offended. I was actually pretty happy. I was struggling being a single father of twins, and, and I didn't really understand how I was supposed to be on the dating scene. And they said, we got this girl you need to meet. And I was like, sweet, hook it up. So they gave us email addresses, and we emailed each other. A lot of you know my story, but some of you don't, so I share it. And we emailed each other back and forth, and, and you know, one of, the, one of the most important emails to go back and forth between she and I was, hey, you got a picture? Can I see what you look like? 
<laughs> so, so, so she sent me a picture. I don't mean to be shallow, but you all understand what I'm saying, right? Like, you know, there's laws of attraction that are at work here. And, like, it matters. It matters. And, uh, and I got the picture, and she was, she was hot, man. I was, she still is. She not was. She is. I've been saying then she was hot. She's still hot today. And uh, <laughs> she's not here, so it's okay. It's all good. She's setting up for the picnic for you all. Don't you tell her I said that. She is hot. Was and will be. <clears throat> so, so, I'm in trouble. And, and so, you know, we, we, I got the picture, and then I sent her a picture of me. And, and then, you know, after what followed then was quizzes, like, you know, silly quiz, like, you know, where would you go on vacation, Disney World or the beach? Like, what would you prefer? But we were getting to know each other over email. And then she finally came to Columbus, and we went on our first date. And, uh, and then we continued to have this series of dating back and forth. I would drive to Kentucky to see her because that's where she lived. And, and she would drive to Ohio every other weekend to see me. And, and we did that for three months, and then I asked her to marry me. Three months. We, we moved quick. And then, and then after, six months later, we were married. That was just that. We were, I, I knew that this is the girl I was supposed to be with. I didn't know her really well, but I knew this was the woman for me. And so we got married, and then we found out after we got married that, that I didn't trust her as much as I thought I did. You know, there was cracks in our relationships, and it was just because I didn't really know her. I didn't really have experience with her, you know, and so I couldn't trust her with everything. And so there, were, there was things. We had to work on those things, those, those, those cracks in our relationships, those breaches in trust. We had to work through some stuff. But now we've been married 10 years, and, man, I trust that girl with my life. I do because, oh, thank you. It, but she's, I trust her with my life because, man, she and I have been through some tough, and I have seen the quality of this woman, the integrity that she has, her character. I know that she's going to stand by my side. We've faced some things that I don't think anybody should ever have to face as a person, as a married couple, as parents. We, we have faced some tough stuff. And I'm thankful for her, but I, I trust her now, and I trust her because I know her. And I think that's where we have to be in our relationship with God. I think that we need to be in such a place that we know him so well that we, that we trust him. We, we need to be in that place because it's important for us to know him. Paul the apostle knew that, that if we could ever encounter God in such a way on a daily basis, on a regular basis, we would come to a place that we knew him, our lives would be different. He prayed for people all the time. Ephesians, 4, or Ephesians 1, 17 through 18. This is a prayer that he prayed for the church at Ephesus, and it's a prayer that I pray over you and my leadership, my family, all the time. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in in his holy people. Look, that is a verse you can sit and think about all day long and just get excited about, you know. I pray that for you. Because I know, like the Apostle Paul did, that that you're going to encounter God if you encounter him just a little bit today, a little bit more tomorrow, a little bit more the next day. That your life will forever be changed. The way you live, the way you behave will forever be altered. You'll have faith because you come to know him. Because you will come to know him as faithful. You will come to know him as patient, as loving, as giving, forgiving, graceful, merciful. You will come to know him in these ways. If you continue to engage him. And you only, can get, you only get that knowing through experience. And I would say that, that any doubts that you have are effectively encountered when you know in whom you've believed. 
The next thing we can do to have faith is, is found in Noah's story. And that is to take steps before you see. Take steps before you see. Because putting God first is important. And drawing close to God is important because that's where you begin to know him. But when you begin to know God, you get into a place where God will begin to speak to your heart. We talked about this last week. He does that through the Holy Spirit. He begins to lead you and prod you. And when he does, we need to respond to that. We need to take steps before we see. Because with faith, we don't always get to see the outcome of it. You don't always get to see the outcome of things. You have to obey, and then you get to see the outcome of what God had planned. Hebrews eleven seven says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Now, Noah was one of the first people to do something really huge for God. He built this massive boat. And it's crazy when you hear the story, when you, when you know what happened with Noah, because, you know, the Bible says there's, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, history is just repeating itself. We've heard that before. But in Noah's time, he was right in history. History did not exist before him, much of it anyway. And God's saying, hey, you're going to build a boat. And Noah's like, yeah, what's a boat? He's I'll give you the plans for it. Noah starts reading the plans, and it says, hey, the, uh, the boat needs to be so many cubits. And Noah's like, what in the world is a cubit? God says, well, it's about the length of your forearms. So here's Noah laying out boards going, one, two, three. He's measuring with his forearm. That's how I imagine it. Sorry, I just go there. And, and he says, yeah, but why am I building a boat, by the way, God? And God says, well, I'm going to destroy the world, and I'm going to destroy it with a flood. It's, it's actually going to rain. I'm sorry, what? what? What's rain? Because, see, up till Noah's time, the Bible tells us that it hadn't even rained yet. That the, the plants had been watered through like a mist. Like the, the earth was covered with like a mist, and that's how they received their water. And he's like, hey, water's going to fall from the sky. The earth's going to break open. It's going to burst up. Like this is going to happen. And Noah's like, what? This has never happened before. All this stuff that he never saw before, God's telling him is coming. And Noah is so tight with God that he just trusts him. And he demonstrates his faith by acting on what God told him to do. Even when it was things he had never experienced before. Things he had never seen before. And God saves him. He saves him and his family. But not only that, he saves two of every animal. Can you imagine that? Like getting that call. Like, hey, uh, listen, by the way, uh, now that you've built the boat, you also need to go out and get two of every animal. Thanks, bye. I'm sorry, what? Like, look, I'd be like uh, calling him back like, hey, uh, listen, uh, I, don't, I don't mean to say no, but like spiders and snakes, they're off the list, okay? I'm not messing with those guys. Everything else will be just fine. Now, we're not really sure why he didn't take the time to go find the unicorns, but whatever. So, but we don't know if he actually had to go get the animals or whether the animals showed up, you know, male and female. And we're like, hey, we're here for the cruise. Is this where we check in? Like, our bags are over here. This is my wife. We don't, we, don't know, we don't know. And so I imagine Noah having to chase down these animals. And, like, if, you ever, if you've ever had a puppy, you know that you cannot get a puppy. Like, you chase that puppy. If it didn't have a collar on it, which I can't imagine all the animals in the wild did, these things are slippery boogers. And my dog, my puppy, she just runs. She gets, tries to get up underneath a space that a big guy like me just can't get to. And then when you go up underneath enough, it's a cat. See, my, my puppy will let me pull her out. But cats, cats are mean and hateful. They are demonic, I'm telling you. They get up into a spot and you go to get them. They will bite you and claw you to death. Your hand comes out looking like a piece of hamburger because of a cat. And so, so Noah, Noah has to take steps of faith. Still hasn't rained. And he's being told to go get all these animals. He, he couldn't see it, but he trusted God. He took, took that step of faith. He was responsive to God speaking in his life. And I think we have to be the same place. 
You know, look around this place. Like, seriously, look around this place. Look at your neighbor. Look to the right and the left of you. Like, when God called my wife and I to plant a church, none of y'all were there. He didn't lay it out and say, hey, by the way, uh, your brother's going to go with you, your mom and dad's going to come, and Kyle and Derek. and all. Like, I didn't have all these people. I just said, all right, Lord, let's do it. Let's go. I understood if he's called me to it, he's going to make the way. I didn't know we were going to launch in a funeral home. That didn't scare me. And look where we are today. We're not in a funeral home anymore, bless God. We're in our own space, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is not even going to be our last space. Amen? I believe that God's going to continue to grow his kingdom here in Simple Church, and I just believe that. Why do you believe that? You got some kind of plan? Did he, like, lay out a plan for you that told you how to do it? No. In fact, I don't have any clue what I'm doing. In fact, uh, Tim, our Connect pastor, when I first met him, he said, you know why I like you, Aaron? I said, no. <laughs> he said, because you're out here doing this thing, and you have no idea what you're doing. I was like, it's true. I don't. I don't have a clue. We're just, you know, we're just trusting God with the details, you know, and being, and being faithful with what he's given us. And, and I, think, I think we just knew God was telling us to do it, and we, we had to do it. Because we aren't here today because of plans that I laid. We're here because of plans that God made, right? And we respond to his leading that, that he'll reveal his plan as we take those steps. And I, I guarantee you in your life, maybe God's not leading you to plant a church. Maybe there's smaller steps of faith that you can take, but they are steps of faith. Maybe there's those of you here today that you've given your life to Christ, and you know the next step is to get baptized. And you're like, ah, I don't know about that. I don't like to get up in front of people. Or maybe you've been saved for a while, and you've never done it, and now it's kind of awkward. You're like, I've been saved for like, you know, 10 years. And uh, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? But... You know that God's prod in you. The Holy Spirit's leading you. Hey, take this step of faith. Others of you, it may just simply be to, to lead a grow group. You know, we've got the season of grow groups coming up, and you say, oh, I felt like I was supposed to lead a grow group this time around, but I don't know, I'm kind of nervous because I've never done that before, and I don't really have all the answers to all the questions. And what if somebody comes in who's really, their life is, like, messed up? Like, what do I do with that, you know? And I don't know, and you're just pushing away from it because you're, of all the things that you can't see, the things that you're not sure about. Others of you, you're looking at these grow groups and just signing up and going to them. It's like, you know, I've got so much, I've got personal anxiety or I've got baggage or I, I'm not sure that I'm going to know anybody or what if I get there and everybody's weird. Look, if that's your pushback, let me tell you this. All of us are weird, okay? So in some way, shape, or form, so just, just sign up and get on board. Others of you, you know, maybe serving is, is where the Holy Spirit's been leading you and you've just kind of been pushing back or, or even giving, Giving has been something you've pushed back on, and, and God is leading you to do that, to take those steps of faith. But faith requires us to step before we see. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we live by faith, not by sight. And God doesn't give us the luxury of sight. He requires that we live by faith, that we act with total trust in our hearts upon how he leads us. So we put God first, we walk close with him, and we take steps before we see. And then we do what Abraham did. We have to learn to wait patiently. That's our job is to wait patiently on God. As we're walking out this, this life of faith, there's oftentimes a difference that can occur in, in between the time that we pray a prayer of faith and believe God for something or he ignites a spark in our heart for, for maybe a business idea or to see a relationship restored. I'm not sure. But he puts an idea or think of something in your heart and you begin to believe for it and then there's this time difference. You don't get it immediately. God's not a vending machine, right, where you just put in your coins and hit, you know, double A, five, and you get your Snickers bar. You know, it's not how God works. There's, 
His timing is everything, and so he requires that we wait patiently. Look at Abraham, Hebrews 11, 11 says, By faith Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, means she couldn't have kids, was unable to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. Look, Abraham's story is, in a nutshell, is that he was 75 years old, and God said, hey, I'm going to make you the father of, many, of, a, of a big old nation. Like, they're going to outnumber the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. He's like, I'm 75. Like, look around your world. Do you know anybody 75 years old that's having a kid? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, with his, and with his wife, that was even a, just a few years younger. But 75, is pretty, that's, pretty, that's pretty intense. And, but Abraham considered God and said, you know what? He can do this. I think he can do it. I'm going to believe him. I'm going to try to get my wife pregnant. And so for 25 years, he tries to get Sarah pregnant. And, and they remain without child. And along the process, Abraham gets a little frustrated. He gets a little emotional. He begins to feel his way through God's promises, through what he's believing God for. He doesn't remain patient. And he and his wife come up with a plan to have a child, for him to have a child with her, her handmaiden, her nurse, Hagar. And he does. And buddy, does that cause problems. That causes, puts him in positions to make difficult decisions. It's a tough place to be because he began to feel his way through his faith. And look, I'm going to tell you the greatest enemy of your faith is your feelings. It's how you're feeling about something. It'll rob you of the faith that you have in God. You need to just trust him. You need to just trust him and be patient. But after 25 years and Abraham being 100 years old, he and Sarah finally conceive and they have the child. They have the baby. Because he trusted in God. He came to a place where he trusted in God. And some of you, let me just say this. Some of you need to hear this today. You've been believing God for something for a long time, and you're so close to giving up. Maybe you've got a kid who is lost, or a marriage that is on the rocks, or your finances are broken, or I, I relationships that are broken. I have no idea. Or your world has been upside down for so long, you're pretty sure that's the way it's supposed to stay. Look, if you're ready to give up hope, let me just tell you something today. Remain patient. Don't fill your way through this situation. Trust God. Have faith. So the Bible teaches us how to navigate this life of faith, to trust God so that we begin to see change in our lives. And it looks like putting him first. It looks like walking closely with him. It looks like acting before we see. And, and, it, and it looks like us patiently waiting on him to act on our behalf. But the last lesson to come along is the most challenging one. I said there was five. And this is the one I don't really want to share with you because I want to tell you that everything's going to be okay. I want to tell you that everything's going to be rainbows and sunshine and that God's going to give you everything that you pray for. And I, I, I want to tell you that. But it's, it's just simply not true. A lot of you know that in your life. You've experienced that because you've been praying for something for a long time and God just seems to be silent on the matter. And you're not sure. You're not sure why. But let me tell you something. When we look in the Bible, we see these stories of faith, and we read them, we get excited, it energizes us, and the longer we wait, the longer our hope begins to fade. Is God really listening? Is he, is he, is he just listening to everybody else and not me? Is it something I said? Do I smell? Why not me? And we can begin to question our entire relationship with God, his entire existence. In fact, some of you are there now. You're harboring resentment because there is something in your life that didn't go the way you thought it should go. 
that God didn't answer the way you thought he should answer. And you're holding that against him. You resent him for it. It's the reason you won't embrace him. It's the reason you won't embrace the life that he has for you. But look, I'm going to tell you that the last lesson that we need to learn is to believe that God can, but trust him even if he doesn't. This is the hardest part of our faith. Hebrews 11, 35, 40 describes people who believed God but never received the promise. It says there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. They wandered in deserts, deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and in holes in the ground. And these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what? had been promised. These are a group of people that are like me and you. They believe in God for something. They've been, even been waiting patiently on it. And God's, God's not answering. The time that they think it should take or the way that they think it should take. These guys, they died and never even saw the promise. There's this whole thing called the sovereignty of God. It means God can do anything that he wants to. God has a plan that is not our plan. He has timing that is not our timing. And when his timing doesn't line up with ours, we need to just trust him anyway. We need to believe that he's, he's got a plan for us that has nothing to do with our own. And that his plan is actually better than our own. Because look, the, verse, the, the last verse after that, these guys were commended for their faith. They never received the promise, though. The verse is... Why they didn't receive the promise, says verse 40, says, since God had planned something better, we have to come to a place where we begin to believe that God has something better planned. Because some of you have somebody that you've been praying for that died with cancer. You still had to file bankruptcy. Your marriage still failed. Your kids are still out running wild. That thing that you had hoped for didn't happen. The doors closed on it. The temptation is there for you to hold resentment, or you can just come to a place where you believe what Isaiah says. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, This plan of mine is not what you would work out, neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than yours. My wife and I went and took a painting class recently. And we, we took it together, and we had fun doing it. And But the instructor was giving me instructions. She said, okay, here's your canvas. This is what I want you to do. I want you to take this brush, and I want you to get this paint, and I want you to make like this. And I said, well, that looks stupid on the canvas if I make like this. But, but I trusted her. I did it. And then she told me to do a couple other things, make a squiggle here and a splash of paint there. And I was like, none of this is making any sense to me. But it wasn't until... The class was over and we were finished that I took a step back and I looked at my portrait and I thought, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. See, you and I, we don't always get to see the finished product. Sometimes we just got to be, we got to make those brush strokes. We got to trust him like I trusted that instructor. She knows what she's doing. She had a plan in mind. And God is the one holding the paintbrush. And the portrait that he's painting is not our lives. See, there's something bigger going on here. You're part of the portrait that God is painting. And it is, has to do with this world and how much he loves it. You are a brushstroke. And I think we get frustrated with how we look sometimes. We're just a little squiggle or we're just the smallest speck on the page. And yet we are so important to the big picture and what God has for us. 
We have to come to a place, folks, where we just accept his plans are better than ours. And I think there's a day that we'll get to heaven, even if we don't see it here on this earth, all the things that we question and the things that we don't understand, we're going to get to heaven and we're going to step back and say, this is what it was about. Oh, I see it. So much more beautiful than I ever imagined. I believe that's going to happen. We need to be in a place where we're drawing close to God, where we're responding to Him, where we're patiently waiting, and we need to trust Him even when He doesn't answer today, guys. We need to. Let's pray. Maybe you've pushed away from a relationship with God because you, you felt like God should have answered your prayer and He didn't. You blame God for the tragedy that you have endured. But let me, let me tell you something. The pain and the confusion that you're experiencing, God's not the author of that thing. We honestly live in a broken world. Bad stuff happens. But God wants you to live a life full of faith where the dreams he has placed in your life can become a reality. And none of that can happen until you give him control of your life. He doesn't want to be in your life. He wants to be in control of it. And today is the day to stop running from him to surrender to him. I'm going to pray a prayer here in a moment. If you want to be counted in on that prayer and you say, Aaron, I I want you to include me. Uh, Today, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to begin anew. I want to give him control. If that's you and you're here, there's nobody looking around. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Would you just put your hand in the air just like this and say, hey, that's me, Aaron. Count me in on that prayer. Shoot it up now. Put your hand in the air now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Proud of you. Thank you. You put your hands down. I'm going to give you the words to the prayer. You just need to pray them and mean it in your heart. It says, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you came, you died, and you rose again to forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Give me faith. Help me walk with you. Help me know you. Give me faith to be obedient to you when you lead me. Help me be patient as I wait on you and trust you no matter what. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray for every person in this room that is struggling today, God, with having faith. Lord, with prioritizing you in their life. Lord, with walking with you every minute of the day, practicing your presence, Lord. I pray, God, that you would help us to know you and to trust you, to be patient and wait. God, we need you. This is an incredible work that I'm asking you to do in our heart and our lives, but I believe that it will produce an amazing fruit of a full life in us. God, help us live this life for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.